Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big Jim is wearing his heels. They give you access, which is, for a coach is very uncomfortable but they give you access to everything. And then when you see it, it kind of brings you closer to the sport, the players, and you see they're just, just like you know. It's like when I done Hard Knocks, I did not want to do it. They're there, but like I didn't want to be part of the show as in a person. That camera right there, in your position room, that's all that's in there. So like you do forget it's there. And it moves around and it follows everyone and it's on all the time. If you lose the physicality, you lose a huge part of the game. And like you said, it's the part that a lot of people like watching, you know? One of the best athletes I coach is a rugby player. Who? Jordan Malata. On this episode, I'm joined by a cowboy. A Dallas cowboy. It's the wonderful, the powerful... Adam Durda. Adam, let's just do an introduction mm-hmm. because a lot of my listeners will be rugby. Yeah. So if you can just give a brief introduction of like who you are, I know who you are. Yep. I've been watching, I've been listening since I knew we were going to do this episode. But I mean, such an interesting career, but we can get onto that. So a brief introduction just to the listeners. Yeah. Um, my name's Adam Durdy. I'm from North London, England, and I'm the defensive line coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Fuck. It's crazy, isn't it? How cool does that sound? <laughs> I don't say it much, but yeah, it's pretty. Like Adam, that's the thing, mate. Like we were talking just off air, right? About how I got into this space, yeah, and the interest around it started in the with the NFL. Yeah. Watching Hard Knocks when I was traveling on these little Arcos machines that we had, which is like the old iPads. Watching Hard Knocks, I was like, "This needs to happen <clears throat> in rugby. Like this is what rugby needs." And then now I'm sat with. A Dallas Cowboy, yeah. like it's it's mental. It's class to have you. And yeah, I appreciate you having me. Man. Yeah, and doing a bit of research naturally, but also having seen you pop up on stuff in the past. Yeah, when I researched the Dallas Cowboys, because I thought in my mind the Dallas Cowboys are the biggest or one of the biggest brands in sport. So I thought before I say They're that, biggest, <laughs> I'm going to Google it. And you said it. The Dallas Cowboys are the biggest sporting franchise in the world yep mental it's crazy isn't it? and it's in the nfl you would never think that i didn't know it until they told me on forbes list that they re- released recently whether or not you can believe that or not like the dallas mm-hmm. cowboys over three years have, have made 1.2 billion and a lot of that is around the brand franchise and yeah. how synonymous it is in sport here's another one not putting you on the spot but i never saw it there's a football team an english football team that's third United, but if you you never say it. um, United were fifth. City? Nah, you won't get it. Close to where you're from. Arsenal. 
I thought Arsenal as well. Tottenham? Not, Tottenham. Really? Tottenham were third. So I was like, can I believe this? Like 450 mil over three years. What? I know. I know. So whether or not we believe that, but the Dallas Cowboys without doubt. I wouldn't have thought that. Well, forget Tottenham. I'm Man United <laughs> fan. But they're I'm West Ham. You're West Ham? Yeah. Yeah. They're doing all right under Moyes this yeah, year. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm like avid follower of fo- football because I just can't. I kind of, when I'm out of work, I kind of stay away from sport a little bit. Mm. But um, my brother is. Yeah, West Ham under Moyes, they won the, what was it, the UA? Yeah. It's the kind of version of the UEFA Cup, right? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, yeah I don't know whether it's rebranded. It's not yeah. the champions. I feel like so many names of them now. I don't really know what's I know. what. But um, yeah, they won it. It's crazy. I saw all the people down in, like down by Upton Park. Mm. That was nuts. Football's crazy in mm-hmm. this country. Like this tribalism around... Especially, well, I was going to say, especially London, because because we're, we're in London, yeah. but it's not. It's like Manchester, Liverpool, Liverpool, Everton. It's kind of different in America. Like college is kind of like that. There's not many NFL teams. They they are like really avid fans, but they're not as kind of in the stadium. It's not as aggressive. Mm. You know, like the fans are allowed to mix with each other. Yeah. And all those type of things. Like, I'd say the most, the team I've seen are most like a kind of English fan base is like Philly. Mm. Philly's the closest thing I would say. What, as in like tribalism, bit, mm-hmm. bit like rough. aggression. It's kind of cool. Yeah, to, I love playing there. Yeah, yeah. Like I love playing there. Mate, it's so cool that you're in that space. So when you say that, a defensive line back, defense. D- no, defensive line. Defensive line. So sorry. if you think about it, like um, in American football, there's kind of three teams in the whole team. So just look at it like that. So you've got offense, mm. that's a unit. So it's a unit that plays when. The team has the ball, the offense are on the field. So, and there's always 11 players on the field at one time. So, the offense are on the field. When the team, the other team gets the ball, you send on your defense. So, that's what I coach. Mm. When you kick the ball, when you exchange the ball, like it can be taken away from each other, like fumble or an interception, but say they kick it to you, that's special teams. So, like there's three different units, and two of the units are kind of built up of players that specifically play on that side of the ball. And then, special teams, apart from the kickers and returners, that's a mishmash of everyone put together of those 11 players, a skill set that can play for that kick, it, that that situation that you're going into. So you have offense, defense, and special teams. And then within defense, it's like you're in your own team. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so on defense, you've got, it's just like most sports, like you have levels of the team. So like you have the defensive line, then you have linebackers, and you have defensive backs, the simplest way to say it. And I coach the front so that's the defensive line. How does someone from the UK, and you're the only UK coach, am I right in saying, ever? <laughs> I don't know, but to I, coaching I'm the only the coach NFL. I've met that's not American. But uh, And so. again, for looking at the clips on YouTube and the interactions yeah. and the last chance you yeah. stuff, it's not. It's called all or nothing that they, that oh, yeah, they do, the all or yeah. nothing. Mm-hmm. Do you get that over there or not? Is yeah, it, is it on it. HBO? I don't know if they, do they still do it now? Yeah, they I have done. They well, they still do that series, but they, they do it in different sports. Oh, okay, so we have. I've seen all or nothing. They got hard knocks, and then they got a new version of hard knocks. Like after they have a team that does just the preseason, then they have a team that they go with for the whole year, mm. and they've just started that. It's kind of like all or nothing. Yeah, of course. Basically, yeah. but well, hard knocks are kind of taking over. But that's that was the interest that I got into mm-hmm. because if you were to say right, am I an NFL fan? I'd say like casually. Like, yes, I don't watch a huge amount of mm-hmm. it, but I had a look on my social media. I follow the NFL. 
Like I look at all the clips, like I watch Last Chance You, I watch uh, All or Nothing, I've watched The Hard Night. So I, I am. What they've done so well is engage a global audience without necessarily having to sit. And this is what rugby need to do, right? Because rugby is a difficult sport to consume. But what the NFL have managed to do is it's quite unbelievable when you think about it. Because the players, they wear helmets. Yeah. You know who the superstars They're are? They're the best storytellers, bro. Like that, like in American sport. I can't say this because I know everything. I don't. I like don't even watch much TV. I don't even don't go have, on social media that much. Like I'm, I'm kind of like a dinosaur. <laughs> so like, but um, to me, they're the best storytellers. Mm. You know, like they can get underneath the guy's helmet, know the man, know the person, tell their story, say where they're from, like, and they tap into those things. And I think they do. A, like, if you talk about, if you look at the way, I think right now sport is the only thing that people really truly watch live now because it's the only thing that just happens, you know, mm -hmm. like everything else in media, it seems like you can just access it when you want. So sport's happening, but what they do is they kind of branch out and like hard knocks. Now you say like other team, other sports do all or nothing or they do their version of hard knocks. Mm -hmm. They give you access, which for a coach is very uncomfortable, but they give you access to everything. And then when you see it, it kind of brings you closer to the sport, the players, and you see they're just... Just like, you know, they're normal players. All people in all industry are just normal people. Mm. You know, they have the anxieties, they have all the things that everyone else has. It's just the way we've structured things is that we put these people on a pedestal sometimes. The power of that should never be underestimated. And I, it's great that you said it can be uncomfortable as a coach. I imagine out of anyone in that setup, it's the coaches that probably find it most uncomfortable. But the access is so important i think as i sit here as a casual fan and you sit there as a coach of the biggest brand in yeah. sport is and a large part of that is down to the access the storytelling the athletes i, I think it's amazing it's one thing that we're you know, we're trying to push in rugby netflix yeah. have just done a series on the six nations but they got thrown out of some of the meetings and stuff oh, like they that do. so i think trying to get that trust and rapport but we're seeing younger athletes being really receptive to that one of the funniest clips is the one where you're talking. I don't know what series it was on. Maybe it was on the All or Nothing. And the no, the, it's only I've only ever done the only thing I've been involved in is Hard Knocks. Oh, is it the so, Hard Knocks? Yeah. Maybe so it was that one that, that I saw where the coach is like he sounds like Winston Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> you just get. I'm like so you gotta understand. I'm like years into this, so yeah, like, yeah. I'm just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> How is it then, as a an Englishman, uh, a Londoner, being in that? american environment it seems like they love you um, from what you see because you are just, different or perceived as different albeit one of them having played I, I i just think i don't know you played do you know what i mean like the people that you remembered like i always think about this when i when i'm trying to coach is or i'm coaching i think it's very similar to teaching i always try and think about the best people i've been around that i wanted to learn from you know and and so i feel like those people were just themselves when you're at a very high level of sport, no, uh, that, that's wrong. Well, I think you're just, when you're in an environment of sport where you're teaching people that are hungry to play the game at and try and be something, I think it's a, it's an environment, if you're not yourself, you'll get eaten up mm. or you won't get the results that you necessarily want. Yeah. You know, like I talk to the guys I work with a lot, like what what's our North Star? Like when you're offside, what is it that you want to, go back to, do you know? And I, and for me, and when I hear from other guys, 
is that basically the players have to play their best ball with you. Mm. You know, like that's ultimately what coaching is. If if those players play their best and you've got good players, you've got a chance. Mm. You know, like um, the teaching and understanding the system, that's part of coaching, you know. But like how do you get people to play? I'm always interested in that. You know, like when you watch a team and there's a guy that came from one team and he just wasn't clicking. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you know he's a good player. Like you played with guys and they just, they went to a team and they just, it just didn't work for them. Mm. And then they suddenly go somewhere else and bang, they're on. Like, why? Like, I want to know that. Do you know? Mm. It might be, might not be the coach, but it might be. Did he understand him? Did he give him a role that suited him? Do you know? Like, there's so many factors that come in, but those things really interest me. Like, yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's the man management of mm -hmm. it. And I've worked with coaches that you would literally run through a fucking brick wall. And then the other coaches, like, the French coach at the minute, Fabien Gautier. Mm -hmm. So he was my coach in Montpellier in France. And the way that he spoke to the players was so derogatory and so like just nasty where I was like, I don't want to play for this fucking bloke. And listen to stuff that you've been on before. You talk about what you have to do as coach players in that defense to mm -hmm. tackle, but the players can already tackle. You know, and yes, you can work on these things. It's how do you make them do that every single time? Yeah, consistency. And, and you know, it's man management. Yeah, I think there's levels to it. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like everything, like there's a systems, there's fundamentals that you have to work on a daily basis. But it's like even fundamentals, like how many practice. If you look at your the way you practiced over your career, because I, I this is one of my biggest regrets. And bro, I didn't even play like a super high level of football. But like, is that I took a lot of that for granted. Mm. So I try and think like, how can, like, what are the things we want to achieve today? And I'm very, I try and I'm trying to push myself to be better at that is like, how do I really verbalize that, make people understand what we're trying to achieve this day now. So we get the full out of that practice, because if you come out of a practice and you didn't, you've wasted an opportunity, you know, like in the NFL, it's only 17 games. Mm. You know, and if you don't win enough of those games, you're not going to the playoffs. And and in any sport, it's super final, but it's not a league. It's it's a tournament, like it's a tournament style that you play in a small division. You get to the top of that division or you get into a playoff place and then you're in the tournament, you know? So it's like, and then the tournament is tournament football. It's like in or out. It's got, yeah. to, it's, got to, it's got to work. Yeah, you know? So like, as I'm going through this, I'm learning a lot of this and... um and being in these different situations, like the last two years, the first two years I've ever been in a playoffs as a coach. So mm -hmm. learned a lot from that, you know? So, but that skipped ahead. But I would say being, I know you asked about being an English coach. I, I just think it's those things. I think it's consistency and just being yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you got to know what you're doing. <laughs> like, But I think it's, I think about that for other coaches too. Like when you watch in the Premier League or, like you said, coaches, they're not from the same country. Do you even think about them not being from the same country? Mm. I don't know, do you? No. Do you know what I'm saying? No. Like, you don't. No. And like, other people warm to different characters and cultures. Yeah. That's what makes a team. Exactly. Ultimately, so. the different cultures and the different experiences. But I think the way you interact, and again, look, I don't, I'm only going based on what I've seen on YouTube, of the no. interaction with you and the players and stuff, and they're calling you AD, which yeah. sounds cool as shit as well. <laughs> you know? But I, just, I, I think it's great. Before, look, there's loads to unpick. No. How do you get to this point? Like, How do you become a Dallas Cowboys coach? And I know you've. this uh, is a story you've told, but maybe just yeah. give us a bit of a no. backstory. Yeah, I started playing here in London. 
and I started at, I think about 14 or 15 I really can't remember and it, it's super random how I started like <laughs> there was like I, I watched it on TV and I really wanted to play it like I didn't even play no sports like I played rugby a couple of times at school and to be honest with you I only played rugby because I got a detention and the rugby the the teacher, the PE teacher was a rugby co our rugby coach. He loved it, right? And so he's like, you even do a detention, like, come and play in this game. So I was like, go and play in the game. So I played a couple of times at rugby and um, I just, I don't know, I didn't, I don't know why I never picked it up. I just, I don't know. It was weird. And then like, I, I think the things you talk about in American football, they were doing those things in the 90s. Mm. So it kind of, it was on Channel 4, it was easy to access. I kind of fell in love with it, you know. Um, and there was a shop in Barnet that sold American football equipment, super random, right? And then they had like a sign on their window, because I went there to buy a ball, and had a sign on their window to play. So, and it was far, it was in Hayes. So I phoned a number, I went, and kind of then caught on with that team. And that team was non-contact, it was like tag. Like at that time, if you was under... I think 16, you couldn't play tackle or something. So I, I spent a year there and then that team shut down and then we went to Finsbury Park, started playing tackle football. And then before we even got to play, that team shut down. Mm. And then we went to Southwark Park in South London. I played there, played in youth football. Then I played um, senior football and ended up going to college for a short amount of time, but I didn't really... It wasn't really for me. Like I went to America for like six months and to a junior college in Iowa, um, came back and then got picked up by NFL Europe. Well, I got a workout for NFL Europe and um, I went to it. I didn't get on the first time I went and then um, they changed my position. They put me from like, I used to play on offense and they put me on f from there. They got me to play linebacker and I just never played the position. And um they said I'd done a good job and then come back next year and I went back next year and then I played there for five years. End up getting on this the international program which they had then and played for the Chiefs and the Panthers. And then that whole span took about 10, 11 years and done that. And then I finished playing football. And um, when I was finished playing football, I was coaching. Like I was doing this still right at the end of my career. I started coaching the guy that coached me in the South London team. He started a new team in South London, further near Croydon, in, um, right by Sellers Park. And um, I started going down there to help the young kids. And when I finished playing, I went down there all the time and then just started coaching. And I coached there for two years, just voluntary. And kind of just, I loved it. Like I didn't think I would love it and then just loved it. And then, then the next thing was kind of just a chain of like crazy events. So like I went, um, we got some sponsorship to go and take, well, we didn't, someone on the, the Warriors got some sponsorship, take some kids to Texas to look at, to go around colleges to try and get scholarships, right? And I, I, when I finished playing football, I started a business kind of helping kids. It was like for kids that were out of work or kicked out of school, you know, like helping them get back into them. And we'd done it for two years and then I ended up leaving that business after two years and I was just, I just finished that and they was like, oh, we're going to Texas. Um, and I was like, I'll go with them because they didn't have a chaperone. So flew them over there, went over with them and um, drove them around to different schools. And I contacted some guy that was on our team in um, NFL Europe. 
and said he was a PR guy for the Cowboys. And I was like, oh, can we kind of bring the kids in? And we met for breakfast just before, and he was like, yeah, come over. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, actually, I'm trying to get an internship in the NFL as a coach. Like, they have this thing called the Bill Walsh Minority Program. So it's, like, set up for people of, like, basically now it's called the Diversity Program. So it's set up for people that are basically minorities, uh, women, anything that, like, that you struggle to get over that barrier. So it's a program that you can go on. So I applied for it and I was I was really pushing the NFL to help me get to Jacksonville because they come here. So um and I was telling him about it. He's like, oh bring your C bring your like C V and and I got there and he was like he just texted me like the night before he's like, get a shirt, I got you to meet someone. And I went there and I met this guy, Jerome Henderson, and it was kind of like a mini interview sat in there and I left and he called me and he's like, you got the internship. And then it was game on. And I interned for four years. So it was two years with Dallas and then two years with Atlanta. So basically what happened was though, that was kind of the catalyst is the NFL. When I got that, the NFL gave me a job. So they offered me a job to, they didn't give me one, but they offered me a job to set up a community program in London, like flag football, um different initiatives imagine if there was a team my kind of my my scope for the job was imagine if this was a team how would you set up a community program how would it become self-funded how would you do these things so um i've done that and just before i was taking those kids fa came to the warriors and um so through this cowboys thing i i talked about him and i ended up training him and who's he, sorry? He's F.A. Abada. He, play, oh, yeah. he plays for Washington. Mm. So I ended up, we met each other and he asked me to train him and I used to train him in the mornings before work um, and he ended up signing for the Cowboys. So that kind of gave me a platform. It's like when I came back, lots. Of, there's so many It's things. wild. Yeah, like when I came back from the first time I interned at Dallas, I sat down and Osio Manura's desk was next to mine. I didn't know him at the time and started telling him what I wanted to do. I wanted to find international players. And he's like, we've got to do this. That's why I'm here. So he, he was like a huge part of the international program. Because I, I think if he wasn't there, it wouldn't have happened because he has such a voice in the NFL that he got us in front of the right people. And um, it was just a crazy like time. Everything we was doing, it wasn't just working it was having like a major impact. So it was like the community program done really well. And then because of FA, they allowed me to train off and find other guys that they gave me a remit, like a month in advance. It was like, go and find a couple of guys. If you want to take them to America, you take them to America, we'll film a show about it. Um, we sell it as content and see if you can do this. And we end up doing it with three guys. One of them got drafted, one of them got signed by the giants. So it was like successful. And then we got to do it again with the four guys. Now there's five guys. And then, they went to teams. That's when we got the practice squad exemptions and FA was on that and got him on that. And then um, the next year we found a guy called Jordan. He was a rugby player. He got drafted by the Eagles and another guy called Christian. He ended up playing for Pittsburgh and Alex Gray. So it was like kind of we started mm. using other sports and looking at how how we can find athletes in these different worlds and could we convert them? Because is it... <laughs> It's like a really unique sport in that way. There's certain positions that you need to only do a certain set of things. And if you're good at them, you could, mm. you got a chance to stay and develop your other skills along the way. There's not every position you can do that, but there's a, there's a couple of positions in the NFL that you can kind of, that are very, they're technical. 
but you could also win with just raw athleticism. Mm. You won't be able to survive for a long period of time with just because your athleticism as you get older it kind of dies off. But like, there's a few positions that at the start, if you're super athletic, you can just you could take over a game in that position, you know. And like, then you've got a chance to develop your skills, you know. So I've done that, and then went to Dallas for two years. Then the guy that gave me the job, who offered me the job, Jerome, he went to Atlanta, and he was like, "Oh, you should come. I've, I've set it up so you can meet Dan Quinn." Um, he's the head coach mm. of the Falcons and um, at the time. And I went and interviewed with those guys up at the Combine. They offered me an internship, went there for two years. And it was really cool because on that, in that part, the first time I got there at Atlanta, Dan was like, okay, what? Got to know me, knew I played linebacker, knew I'd been working with the DBs in Dallas for two years. He was like, we're going to put you on offense. So like I said, it's like, it's almost like a different sport. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, when you see, like, I don't know for you how it is in rugby, but... Yeah, it is the same. <clears throat> We'd have forwards and backs, you know, albeit play at the same time, but you've got completely different positions and completely different skill sets. And do you know what I mean? It's like, when you see the game through those people's eyes, mm. the game's completely different. Of course. Do you know? So, like, going over there really helped me. And I went and worked with tight ends and a guy called Wade Harmon, who was a great coach, and I got to stay with him for that year. And then went back and then I went back to linebackers and then kind of then Dan offered me a job and down here like it went so. what a wicked story you know when you out <laughs> yeah. outline it, it like that and I knew bits and bobs yeah. of that but for just listening to you it sounds like you did everything the right way and with the best intention yeah but also saw the opportunity chase the dream and like people talk about luck and right place right time but you've got to make these things happen right yeah it's funny when you think about that you know like I'm a big one for that. I'm a big yeah, believer, though. Like, as too. in, like, there's only one person that's accountable for yourself, and that's yourself. I know. I am, too. It's just like, when you look at it, it's like a very... And I think, like, sometimes when you want something, you really want it. Like, you kind of... You subconsciously make moves towards those things. Of course. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You might not know you're doing it, but you might have seen there's an opportunity there. I'm going to... When there's an opportunity, like, what... And it's different for different people. Like, it's those little things that when you look back, helped you, you know? Like, when I played for this team in South London when I was a kid, like, the head coach was a hard ass. Like, he's the guy who is in South, in the Warriors now. And, like, those people are, like, for some people, especially for me, they were, like, father figures. Like, I didn't grow up with a parent, like, a father in my, um, with my, with my mom. It's just me, my mom, and my brother. And to see people, like, that when they're like he was just about work there was nothing else you know when we got there we worked mm. like and that rubbed off on me and it was a good thing they rubbed off on me because when i got these opportunities all i wanted to do was work mm. i didn't really like i've i've worked like america's helped me work on my kind of personal skills with people like i wasn't I didn't want to make friends. I didn't want to do those things. I didn't want to talk in front of people. I just wanted to work. I wanted to learn. If I knew that I was going to have to, if this is what I wanted to do, there was so much, I was so far behind, just like I was as a player. I wasn't as far as I was as a player, but like I knew that in people's eyes I was, I had to be not better than everyone, but I had to always be accountable for my work and make sure that it was the best it could possibly be. Like errors, those things, like they couldn't. So in my eyes, someone else might have got, oh that's okay but with me it wouldn't ever be mm. so like everything was like oh I'm gonna work as hard as I can and that worked for me because I think people saw 
Like I would stay there late. I would just work. I would, if they gave me a task and I didn't, I wouldn't ask for help much. I would just watch people and learn off them. And like, I remember I, like a lot of like, when you're a young coach in the NFL and well, or a lowest level coach, a lot of it is like data input, you know, like, or, or doing everything that needs to be done. So like, with the data input, I would watch how people done it. Then the data's all on the screen while you're watching the film and I'd be like, oh, I didn't type that that way. I didn't call that that. I need to retype it. And I'd go back. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Everything I was like, I was learning. And before I showed everyone, I would ask, I would watch, go and look at other people's work and see how they've done it. And I would obviously, it's just like anything, you would go and see the people that are good at what they do. Mm. Do you know? And I'd go and like emulate them. And, and it, those things helped me. Seeing other people do that throughout my career, I really learned a lot of those. And they, they came at m- many different levels of my career. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It shows you the influence of strong male role models and I'm the same as you I grew up without yeah. a dad I uh, was desperate to have a kind of male role model and when you get one you latch onto them don't you yeah. and I suppose that what is defines the foundation so yours is now hard work because the, probably the first role model you saw that was what it was it was hard work it was consistency and these things I think that cannot be underestimated in the male role models especially in sport and and getting them opportunities it's interesting you talk about that because when i look at the nfl and this is based on the hollywood stories right yeah. going back to the documentaries that we spoke about it seems like a lot of these athletes come from quite tough backgrounds like young black athletic but almost troublesome backgrounds it's like football saves them from that life Mm-hmm. Am I right in saying that, or is that maybe just the kind of Hollywood stories that is out there? And, and there's seeing? definitely some. Mm. Do you know? And I don't think, like, I think I don't know what the percentage of it. A lot of them are African American. Like, um, but I think they tell those stories because they're great stories. You know, I think one one of the biggest things I see that's different is that I don't know necessarily about rugby. So, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but. If you play soccer and football in this country, right, and you're really good at it, Tottenham will pick you up at like six or ten. Do you know, like, uh, you're going to Arsenal's academy from then on, and then they'll probably house you somewhere if you're not in the right place. That doesn't happen in American football. So, like, in American football, you play high school football, and you play that till 18, and then you get a scholarship. And now it's changed a bit because, like, in college, they can make money like this – uh, NILs and stuff they can make a lot of money so like but it was it's not a professional sport so 
they get a scholarship and don't get me wrong like they they live a good life and they live on campus but they're always going home like i think in academy kind of development of sport you're taken away from an environment that could be negative at times mm. like don't get me wrong i think that environment also can shape you in a good way i think there's a very fine balance in that if just observing two different models of doing it but they are kind of all the way up to being a professional athlete like they are kind of not professional and i don't know if you know like in college football they have this thing called nil now and they the kids can get sponsorships so they do make a lot of money now but like four years ago they wasn't they like so a lot of kids would come in and they just and that nil is some the best players make a lot but some of the best players some of the best players in the nfl aren't necessarily come from the best programs you know mm -hmm. like they develop and they get into the nfl in a bad place and they grow there so like when you get these kids as part of it that they haven't been in a super that some of them might not have been in a super professional environment so it's getting them to be part of that so like but they are there are a lot of stories and i think just like most sports and we say rough backgrounds but i bet people that you played with that didn't come from rough backgrounds they still have rough stories mm. do you know what i mean just because you might have some money and that like you still might have had big family problems. You still might have had domestic violence in your past. With your, do you know what I'm saying? All these things that like we hear about from a story, I think a lot of people go through this. It just not everyone get stories get told, you know? No, of course. I, I, maybe there's the Hollywood part of it, but there's a few things that interest me. And again, being a yeah. coach, you'll, you'll be well-placed to answer this. How And I know you, like you just referenced there around some of the money being banded about in college. <laughs> but if you look at, what they were earning before, which would be next to nothing. Obviously, yep. education's hugely expensive in America to becoming multi-millionaires. Ridiculously expensive. Both my kids, my one of my kids has graduated from college in America, but my second one, he's still in college. It's well, expensive. You might need to win something this year then. <laughs> he's got to do some work. <laughs> but, I mean, these lads, these athletes, yeah. become multi-millionaires overnight. And mm -hmm. this is me again. I'm going to reference the Hollywood kind of dream if you want to call it that or the horror however you look yeah. at it but how do you manage that as a coach so if they, if they come from let's say they do come from a less privileged background yeah. or their mates and stuff that they've grown up with and i suppose it's like soccer mm -hmm. in this country like you you know you, you sign a five ten million pound deal how does that affect how you coach but also the kind of environment and they, these like they're young oh. right they're young like 20 odd young early 20, 20s 21 mm -hmm. like um I think how does it manage matter how you coach? I think your basis of the standard within you coach, like I, I do think you have to coach people different. Okay. And that's not necessarily because of the status they have in a team. It might be the way they learn or, or who they are as a personality, you know? And I think my, I think for regular teachers, that's hard if you've got a lot of play, a lot of kids, right? But in my job, I've got 15 players in the d-line room right now I, I, no, actually i think 17 like so that that's enough like i can individually teach those people so but i think the standard of what you the way you teach and the acceptance of a level of professionalism shouldn't change between them so i think like if you start with that basis then you're in a good spot like i think if if you've created a standard of like I, I know i talk about these things and they're cliche but i really do think they're the, the foundation of getting things right is if you have a standard of the way you practice, the way you um, approach field work, classroom work, your own work at home, how you get your body in the right way to 
approach your job, how you set up your, like, I think those things, what they happen to is they start affecting your outside life in a positive way. Now, if you don't have those things, I think if you've never had structure, you're going to struggle and you, you try and create some structure, but there's no real boundaries. I think you're going to struggle. But if you create boundaries and standards, then I think what happens is over time that structure gets built. Now, if you've built a, a big enough kind of culture within your group or your whole team where everyone is working, that gets accelerated, I think. Mm. And I think those people know that they're in something. Because in everyone, when you're at that level, you know it. Everyone is a competitor. There's a reason why you got there. You know, like, and you have to tap into those things. And I think once you get that, you get to a place where you're not necessarily past the material things, but they're not always the forefront of the reason why you're doing something, you know? Mm -hmm. Trying to cut a, a question short is that I just think those standards create the boundaries of how someone will come into your room and then how they will attain. And you have to support them too. You have to have those conversations. Like I have them all the time with the guys like um, about things they want to buy, like ludicrous things. Like Hit me with some. <laughs> Hit me with some of the... And again, you don't need to apologise for keeping the answers long. Like this is what we want. What are the common issues? Come on, you can you um, can share it because that amount of money, people listen to this. It's yeah, like I would say, crazy. Like jewelry is a big thing, cars, partying. Yeah, uh, which comes part and parcel like with that, that being young men. That's where I think some of the things are kind of over um, exaggerated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, like like what was your work hours when you played rugby? The work hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. It changed. We used to do four days in the week mm -hmm. and have a Wednesday off and then the game day Saturday. So very structured, as you could imagine. The most successful club I was at was Saracens at the yeah. end and we'd do a three-day week, but long days. How long? So Monday we'd be in at seven in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, you'd get breakfast. You'd be doing review. I I, I ran the line out, so the forwards okay, part yeah. of it. So I would have had to have done all the detail on Sunday. So I couldn't really go out on a Saturday after a game because I'd have to be... yeah lucid enough to go through all the detail of that monday was recovery as well as preview nutrition tuesday was the big work day so it was like yep. a double contact day uh wednesday was a day off but we do pdp which was like player development stuff yep. off the pitch uh and then thursday was a kind of toned down version of the tuesday friday was off and then saturday game day repeat and then what what time do you finish on those days when you work train uh, yeah half four five it's mm. a long days like they'd be seven till long, seven right? till five yeah it's kind of the same like i'd say like players start filtering in around 6 a.m mm. in the nfl and they're there till around like and a lot of it is like the time they're with coaches not necessarily all the time they're there because like there's there's like um nfl pa rules of how long they can be on a practice field how long they can be with you but like they're in there from early until later so they really that when they're in season, there's not much chance to do all of those things that mm. you know, like that you kind of see on and people do, but it's not really I wouldn't say partying. I think it's more like they go out for meals on like the group go out once a week as a group and they eat, you know. Um but I would say like it's kind of toned down like that. Like and people are the young people are a lot different now. they are that is definitely true you know like they're quite happy to sit in their room and play online and 
and play games. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it, it isn't as rock and roll as no. it was back back in our day. Yeah, do you know, yeah. like all that stuff, like the internet and those things, they've changed the way people do things. Like a lot of guys are happy being on their own, mm. which I think is not always necessarily a good thing, you know. But like, I'm really lucky on this team that I'm with that there's a great culture in the team. So like, people want to win, so they're trying to do everything to win. Mm. So those things they change the way you think especially young people they see the older guys doing the right thing it kind of rubs off on them and if it doesn't you stick out mm. you know because it's it's hard to play at a high level if you're not doing all the things right there's yeah. only a i think a, a few people on the planet that can do those things mm. and then i think playing at a level is very relative to your ability mm. because you might be able to play at a good level for the sport that you play when you could be an all-time great if you put all the work in like well, do you that, know that's like, the difference isn't it like they they talk about the talent and these things that you have and if you combine the, all of them you look at like messi ronaldo lebron james i'm not saying they're squeaky clean i've spoke about it on a podcast with someone else recently but to get to their point you need everything but then you need that extra whatever it is five percent ten percent however you want to package it and you don't see them out partying going absolutely wild. I mean, the stories will be a little bit more boring yeah. than the ones that do. But yeah, like getting to that point of greatness, like we look at Brady, um, yeah. for example. Well, did he go to 40 odd? It's insane. How did he? He looked great. He's had a bit of work doing as well, definitely. <laughs> hey, with that kind of money, <laughs> you <doubt>. think? <laughs> Without a doubt. The diet. I know. My word. I mean, who's the who's the best at the minute then? So, like, say he's gone and there's a casual fan who consumes it on social media who wouldn't know the ins and outs. Um, like, is he the the goat of all goats? Well, he's got the stats to prove There you it, go. You so, know? because like, I know it's based yeah, on stats. Like, yeah. So, he's, he's won the games and everything, you know? Like, there's a lot of good players. Do, do the NFL like making superstars out of, yeah. like, individuals? So, you as a coach, like, so it's like team first, team first... But to grow the franchise and to grow mm -hmm. the interest, you need individual stars. And that's yeah. where... It's like Odell Beckham. Yes. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Everyone knows who he is. Mm. And he's a really, really good player. But he hasn't played. Now, hopefully, he gets to play. He has so many injuries. But he's a superstar. And I really hope he gets to play again. He's a really, really good player. But they do. That's what they do. They And they're the things that you spoke about when I first came in here. I think the ability to tell someone's story, to make you resonate with those people show their clips like it's a it's a game where every player is like a set piece so someone can get free at any given moment so those clips those highlights you know they can go around the world it's just like basketball like i don't really watch basketball but i watch the highlights of course i'm exactly the same do you know what i'm saying like i watch the playoffs like mm. my kids have got since i've lived in america i've got into it, watching it in the playoffs but i watch the highlights and stuff like that and I think the way sport is now, you can do that. You know, if I watch the Premier League, I watch the highlights. Of course. You know, because I haven't got time right now to watch a whole game, you know. Mm. So I think they do a really good job of that. Well, that's part of it as what well, like the the shift in mm. the media space as well. Like I looked at the French basketballer that's just signed for San Antonio, yeah. Wemby. Yeah. 10 million or whatever, seven foot five. Have you seen his clips? Yeah, his talk about yeah I was watching him the other day. It's ridiculous. Have you ever? And you like, never think he was seven foot four or five, which is the way he moves. He, he, even six foot, yeah. eight, six foot nine, because I'm tall, I'm six nine, and you can, if I'm, you saw me running, you'd be like, yeah, I can see. <laughs> He's gangly, like uncoordinated. And then you, I mean, watching Yao Ming, whatever, he was a bit taller. I've 
big massive one time lumps. i saw him in china mate that is the tallest person i've ever seen ever like i walked into a room and he was in there and <laughs> the person that was talking to him i thought the person was sitting down that's Mental. how tall he was he yeah like, they were looking up at him like that i was like mm. and his head was yeah, massive. Yeah, so I don't, he's Chinese. I don't know if he's Mongol because I'm a quarter Chinese, right? Oh, people, yeah. yeah, and people take the piss and they're like, "No, you're not." And they're like, "Well, where does your height come from?" And my mum is a half Chinese. My mum remarried, so my half brother's six six and looks really? Chinese. My sister's six foot. Poor thing, wow. looks like me with a wig. Um, <laughs> great woman, um, but so it's from that 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 side. Like, so China have some wow. kind of freaks from north of shanghai yeah, and mongolia as well the biggest country. people that's like, yeah it's a big country do you know like that's like someone we was talking the other day because we we just got back from san francisco someone was asking me someone mentioned like oh people don't have um a lot of american people don't have passports and i was like i could see why because the country is like a continent mm. like it's like if you live in dallas the way Dallas is, is completely different to California or New York. Or if you live in Florida, you can go to Miami, you can go to New York, you can go Denver. Like all these different places are like their own little versions of, they have their own cultures, you know, like, and it's probably the same in China. Big, big place and yeah. different types of people. It's bizarre. Know? America's always, again, you look at our country compared to the size. Of, I'm actually going to Colorado, I'm going to Aspen. Yeah. I am, nice. And I go to New I've York. I've never been. I've never been. I've only we were talking about it because Aspen. I, when I think about Aspen, I think about Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Nearly thirty years old that movie. Is it? I was chatting to my agent today. I was like you know, going to Aspen, and he was like Dumb and Dumber. I was like, yeah. It's like when was that? At? 10, 15, 20 years ago. We looked. It was ninety four. Nearly thirty nuts. years ago. But going there. But I, I love going to New York. Spent some time up in Canada as well. Played in Houston. We played a game over there as well. I love America, but it is a wild. You look at, I mean, the guns, for example. That's one thing that terrifies me. I don't. Know, do they have guns in New York or not? As in people, I don't think I they don't, do. I don't know all the laws yeah, in different states. They have so, guns in Texas, yeah, but I don't. I don't know all the laws. And it's been a big issue in Texas, isn't it? Mm, recently, shame. with it's, that stuff. Yeah, but just going back to um, this Wemby guy, so seven foot five, yeah. unbelievable athlete. But you look at what's around that now, and I suppose when you talk about these athletes and the star power that they have. They're encouraged now with the content you see him. He's walking around this camera crews, probably in-house that are following him. It's the whole yeah. YouTube thing, right? The Jake Paul, Logan Paul kind of setup, but in sport. Is there pressure on these lads? Because I suppose if they're, well, the careers are short, right? And again, this is going based some on some Some are and some aren't, but like the majority are. Yeah, so they'll need to cash in and build a profile, mm -hmm. I suppose, a part of that and trying to manage that versus playing definitely yeah. i agree with you like it's like that's one of the biggest changes i see over time and, and their agents be encouraging that I of course imagine. because you're gonna yeah. make money and mm. and you see why people want to make money you need money you know like mm. that's what part of it is you know and it's just a balance i think really thinking about it's so hard to win a super bowl you know so the main thing is the main thing I think, again, you've got something to just look towards to be like, okay, this is what I'm... Like, you have your personal goals within it, but normally a lot of people's personal goals come when success comes. Mm. I think when you get to that point, you've got a real chance of keeping these people, the players on their track. And it's, it's a hard thing. It's a world where I feel like it's like this. It's like podcasts. Like you can start a podcast... It doesn't have to be like we're in a big studio, but a lot of people start podcasts 
in their house and they become really sick. They can like invent themselves now. Mm. I think that's different to what it used to be like, you know, like, mm. and um, I think everyone sees that, you know, I don't know, but that's kind of the way it seems, you know? Yeah. Well, it's the success thing that comes with it. And I, it's interesting. I wonder, wonder with like the last dance, whether if Jordan knew what was happening, he'd want that invasion of people coming in constantly, or he'd be like, I just want to, I'm not bothered about all that noise. Yeah. As long as I win, then I can enjoy the other stuff. I suppose that's the responsibility of other people trying to grow the brand. And then mm -hmm. if they're successful, then naturally that will grow. Because the issue that we have in rugby is going back to the Netflix thing. We've got the most successful team, Ireland, number one team at the minute. World Cup in France, zero access to them as players. The documentary series in Netflix, they close the doors and they could go on to be the World Cup winners and become national treasures island and jo they've got johnny sexton who's one of the greatest mm -hmm. players of all time playing at 10 and he was the one who's got no interest in doing that and it's too far i'm like you know should they open the doors but let someone else worry about that you know and he can deal with it's that. hard though isn't it yeah, because it is like you say like those that access puts a sport on a different level mm. and it gets it's like when i done hard knocks i did not want to do it mm. like i mean they're there but like i didn't want to be part of the show as in a person like about like them f putting a mic on you and listening to everything you say I, like i it was my first year being a position coach i wasn't super comfortable with that but i knew it was happening and like one of my friends gave me the best advice they were just like you just be yourself like they're not going to put on stuff that is bad if he was like you're good at what you do like mm. just just relax forget it's there and you don't forget it's there but there is certain times you forget it's there it's like that camera right there in your position room that's all that's in there so like you do forget it's there that's the goal though do you know what i'm saying that, yes. like, that's the one that like and it moves around and it follows everyone and it's on all the time like mm. it's literally if i'm sitting in there on my own it's on so like if someone walks in, it's ready to capture them talking with me. <laughs> but I think you have to know at the heart of it, they want the sport to grow. And, and that's the thing. Do you know, I like, don't... so, and that, that kind of was my, it wasn't my saving grace, but it really helped me deal with it. Because mm. the first few days, I, it really messed my mind up. You know, like I was, aware, I was aware of them being there. Like, and if I really wanted to talk to the players, I took my mic off. And then I would talk and like, they're even good at that. Cause what they've done, they realized that <laughs> I don't know if they've done that, but like, I didn't realize other guys in my group were mic'd up mm. like the players. So sometimes I would take my mic off and they would still get it because they had other people mm. mic'd up, you know? And um, like, I feel like if you're going to have a real conversation with a person, like about them, that's not for other people to hear. If it's about me and you, that's for me and you. I'm not going to talk about that and let the world hear. You know, well, I wouldn't want that. Do you mm, know what I mean? Course. Like, um, so, but it really, when he told me that, it really helped me because that, that stuff is hard. Yeah. And going back to the initial thing, it's about the growth of mm -hmm. the sport. And I don't know, I'm not saying NFL wouldn't be where it was, but like the casual interest especially in the UK with a load of mates and stuff who will watch the Super Bowl final yeah. and everything around it. Like that's, yeah, that's the big thing in all this and growing sport and mm -hmm. fighting for attention. That's one of the things we talk about with rugby. You know, it's like, to me, that would be, I would want to watch that. If like, if Ireland were that good, I would want to know why. Mm. 
Like, because it's not a huge country. There you go. Small. Imagine they go yeah. on to win the World Cup, That's and, what I'm you, and you've seen, like, maybe not even now, in five, ten years, like the last dance, twenty years' mm-hmm. time, thirty years' time, it comes out. Like, how did they do it? How did a small country? Why do you middle, think that is? Like, do you know? Like, I think it's a cultural shift. I think it comes from. With I say that the, the weirdest thing in all this, right? And it goes back to the beginning of us talking mm-hmm. about why I started a podcast. I look at rugby. Having played the game, it gave me everything. Yeah, like absolutely everything. So my parents were not there growing up. It not only gave me like a foundation as a man, not that I'm this amazing man now, but I'm a dad of four. But sport gave me that. Rugby gave me that. Whilst also being in an environment where you're kicking fuck out of each other every week, so you're in a sport in which 99% of the population cannot do. Right, so most people cannot go over the white line and kick fuck out of each other, and then be mates after and have a few beers, and then repeat and then repeat and do it forty weeks on the spin. So when I'm in that space, I want to tell the story of what it's like to be a rugby player and the pushback we got initially from doing the podcast, and I'd be jumping around in stadiums trying to do interviews with players, and uh, the media team were like, "No, no, 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 you can't." You know, I'm one of them. Yeah. I'm one of these players. Like I've been there. I've done it. You know, the whole thing. I've got the dust on the face, and this is why I'm unapologetic about the way that I speak about rugby because we're going through a crisis at the minute, a massive, massive issue. Which, by me talking about it, sometimes shines a light on it as well. Yeah. So I don't like doing it. But similar to what the NFL went through with concussion, we are mm. in the middle of this yeah. storm, and for a good reason. Like there's, you know, good things are going to come from it, but. If you look at how our social media pages are populated in rugby compared to NFL, compared to NBA, uh, ice hockey, like big sports, right? UFC especially, boxing yeah. especially. So contact can be perceived as dangerous sports. You look at what our channels are populated with, I kind of disagree with what I'm seeing. Like I'm big into celebrating what our sport is. Yeah. It's about camaraderie, uh, it's about physicality is about collision, is about winning, is about these things that ultimately sell sport. And I say that on a superficial level because by doing that, in turn, there's going to be more people watching the game, there's going to be more interest, yeah. and then the players will get paid more. And so it continues, the, the healthcare, the medical care, the coaches will be better, the practices will be better. But the pushback has been ridiculous, to the point where I've been like, I, yeah, I might look at something else. Yeah, I might, But I've managed to kind of push through that now but as a game, as a sport, we're in a really difficult position. I mean, the NFL went through it, like the concussion thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is like it's ongoing. Like the but unions I think it's are getting sued. That you practice safely. Mm. Play the game safely. You know. Like, yeah. Because I imagine when you played as well, it was just fucking more is more. Like more is better. It was definitely different. Mm. Like, um, especially like growing up here, you know. Like, so it was definitely different. Like when you're doing it in Europe, there isn't as much safety stuff. So. And then when you practice, practice was different back then, like when I was practicing. But I agree with you that the game is like that's that's why I love the game. The physicality of the game, the the speed of the game, the impact. Like I love those things. And I think I think physicality is one of the real attributes you have to play good defense, you know, like but you have to do it safely. Mm. That's something that you have to keep pushing because if you lose the physicality, you lose a huge part of the game, you mm. know, like 
And like you said, it's the part that a lot of people like watching, you know. So, and I think it's a balance and it's a fine line, and you have to know when the physical ups are and and when they're not, you know. Like it's different. Like I'm learning coaching. Um, like D linemen can't at a certain point they don't. It's changing how they hit quarterbacks. Like you have to roll off and stuff like that, and getting that right is important. Like you have to talk about it now and teach it. Why? Because if you get it wrong, it's going to be a 15 yard penalty. And it can change the game, you know, mm-hmm. like it can change, it can make them stay on the field. It can do that. So it, it, it's easy for you to sit there and say, oh, why we can't do this? But we have to, mm-hmm. if that's how the game's going to be played, like we have to find a way to coach through this. And because if we don't, then there's a reason why they're doing it. Do you know we can't I mean? get away yeah. from it either. Exactly. Like it's not, no. that's not going to change. Just your terminology have to be different to how it might have been before. And I give an example. So as mm-hmm. a captain or a vice captain yeah. back in the day for Scotland, um, I, the terminology I would use, you, I don't think you could use now. Like fuck people up would be used a lot. Like fucking go get them, like the, the F word, but it was more what came after yeah. the F word. About you fucking people up. the F word up. as the emphasis. Exactly, and then, and then yeah. So as in really fuck them the up. Tongue. But that's the, that was the stuff that was used, yeah. like take them out, um, I think kill. Like we'd be using stuff like this. Like I, for me as a coach, it's different because – like on game day, I can't be in that zone that mm. you're in. That's not my job. Do you know? Like, so I try and when we get to game days, I should have had prepared the players that they're ready. My group, the leaders take control. Uh, my job is my job. I I coach the game. I get the different groups on the field. I make the adjustments within game. I, I have other roles in the game. But I feel if I get, I've learned if I get myself too emotionally amped up, the F, the F word gets thrown about. <laughs> and it's just like, I need to be able to think in the moment. Mm. Like, I need to be the calm for the guys at certain times, you know? So, like, I've, like, if you've got a good group of leaders, that's their job. There's times when you have to become the leader if you've got a young group and you have to teach them how to do those things. But right now, I'm in a place where the, they can take control at that point in time. Because it is such a short season with these yeah. young men and the contracts aren't always there unless you're a top-end player. Yeah. So I imagine the pressure that they put on themselves, the external pressure, if they are struggling with concussion, which is the buzzword in rugby at the minute, how hard is it to manage that? Do you? Ha- I mean, you have different people that manage it, and how much yeah, is it like, spoken about in the NFL? No, it's just like if they've... There's a whole protocol. Is there? So like if he's not... Like if he's had concussion, he has to go... Like he's not going to play until he meets these markers. And what is that? that do they, you know what they are or not? No, they have like an independent okay. guy and then like the trainer will tell us when that they can practice and then when they can come back into a game. There's certain points that they meet and like if they're in concussion protocol, they're not with you. And yeah. do you know what they are or not? Because I quite like the fact that you don't really know because that then takes no, out like any I know, emotion. I know like there's an independent guy on the field yeah. that tells you and then the co- then the trainer will come up to you and be like, oh, he's in concussion protocol. And then they'll come back and be like, oh, he's not playing for the rest of the game. Mm. Like, and then for you, it's just, and the oh, coach then you've got to adjust. It's like, just like, it's like someone you... getting injured. Yeah, you know? okay. Like, so then they're out and then they go through that. And then when you come after the game, they talk about the injuries and they say, okay, he's in concussion protocol. And we we'll see how he goes through the week and then they go to an independent. And then if he's back or he might say he's not, like, and then he goes on to the next, whenever he's back, you know, like, and you just wait for that to happen. 
do they have scans or is it uh, I, like once they get out with the trainers that's the trainers they deal with that yeah. stuff i don't really really interested mm. in the fact that you just have a separate and yeah. i say that because again when i played and this is only retired five years ago i know it's completely different now but the, there was just this kind of micro pressure from yourself mm -hmm. from everyone like you're just all in there was no external medical support there is now there's yeah. doctors that are there at the side of the pitch but yeah i know the nfl went through a massive massive mm. thing with that and like how are the players with that are they is it because these young men coming through it's just a cultural shift and I, the reason why i asked that i don't is because in rugby there still is this kind of old school mentality like lads don't want to miss out like there's you know these contracts are a few and far yeah. between i don't know i think that you've got a like it's like any injury. Like some obviously people want to come back, but you have to. You can't mess with those type of things. Mm. I've seen the effects across yeah, all exactly. sports, haven't we? So, now? like, I think you've just. It's like when people say like, control the control. You literally can't control it. Mm. Like you got to be, you got to go through it, and you you come out the other end. And then once you've had that trauma, then it's when it's better you can come mm. back. You know, like I think you kind of just keep rolling. Yeah, like, of course. Like you just said, like. Injuries and those things in the NFL, it's the like you said, the season is so short. Games are on you so fast that whoever you've got, you are rolling with. Every game matters. You only got seventeen; they all matter. And the games, the way that the parity in the league is so high that nearly most, I think it's like, I think it was ten or twelve of our games came down to the last two minutes last mm. year. So it's like you're just you're always in the game. So everything matters, you know, it's like, and it's hard for me to talk about those things because that's the world I live in. So I don't really know other sports worlds and how that there are no ties in football, mm. in my football, you know, that like, it goes to overtime. Like it, it can go to, uh, like it can go overtime, overtime and then a tie, but rarely does it get to that. Someone's going to win. Yeah. I, I think that's how all sports should be played. Mm. Any game, yeah. even you know, you see the like football you in the get UK, tired, but it, like it's rare it happens. Yeah, I think the jeopardy in any sport, mm. it's win or lose. Yeah, so that that's 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 what it, it kind of um, is. The only exposure I've really had to rugby is when I worked on the IPP program mm. and got rugby players from there. That was yeah. the only time I've met guys that are involved in rugby. And how much contact do you do a week? What would be the typical like preseason and then? in match and I imagine that's monitored like it's right never, in practice we never go like full contact mm. like you never tackle to the ground with the team I'm on like they, you have this thing like you fit up and you thud players and you'll have contact like at my position that I coach is contact all the time because the offensive and defensive mm. line but like um, you're not tackling people to the ground you let people run, they finish. In the season, we wear there's only a certain amount of times that you can wear pads. Like, so some practices, you won't wear pads, you just wear a helmet and then it's like, you tag off, you know, you don't hit anyone. So you protect yourself and, and they, they really can't. I think when you get later on in the season, it's, it's hard to, because you like you think you like you said you play Sunday you played Saturday on Sunday then Monday and then Tuesday and then Wednesday they're back at practice. May we be doing contact on a Tuesday like full bloody shebang, brutal, and that was the hardest thing. 
that was like, and in hindsight, it was barbaric at some points having to do that. Not that, because it's the the old chat, isn't it, of uh, NFL versus rugby. For me, there's no comparison. We can maybe talk about that but, uh, <laughs> when it comes to athletes. But we're like, did the NFL just go full shebang the whole time? You know, you'd be wondering because it's a contact sport, but... But back in the day, they practiced. Yeah, they did of course, just the ground, whatever. So like live practices. Yeah. And some teams do do, like in training camp, but in the season, they won't. Yeah, that's no, really interesting. What about the athletes? And I know this is your sport, but mm-hmm. looking across other sports, I think NFL, NFL athletes are the greatest. Mm-hmm. The size, the power, the speed. And it's so good that you get to see the draft and you get to see all this stuff online of them doing vertical jumps and the 40-yard dashes and all this. This is what rugby needs to do because I think yeah. that we've got great athletes. That's what I you? think too. Like one of the best athletes I coach is a rugby player. Who? Jordan Mulatto. Really? Mm-hmm. 335 pounds. Can you do it in kgs or not? Would you know? <sighs> what is it? 2.2, we'll 2, isn't it? So yeah. like 100 and what, 160, 160 kilos. And he was running like 4.9 in a 40 um, 20-something, 18% body fat. Plays a starting left tackle for the Eagles now. Mm. So, like, he's, like, one of the best. He's our guy that was on the IPP program. Uh, he's one of the best player, well, athletes. Wow. Christian Wade was a really good athlete. He was a good athlete. Yeah, I played against Wade a few mm. times. I didn't... Oh, I, we're on the same page. He's an excellent I athlete, I thought. I never touched him. Like he was change of direction. Yeah. Because he uh, was at the Buffaloes yeah. for a bit. I think what they do is they showcase athleticism. Yes. On an elite level. Oh. Like, and don't get me wrong... If there's only 32 teams on the planet and there's millions of people playing the sport at a young level, you're going to get really high end. Mm. Do you know, like, they come to the top. It's like, that's the one of the biggest differences in football, in football is, like, think rugby. If you can't play in England, you go and play somewhere else, right? Mm. If you can't, well, whatever the best league is in the world, I don't know. If you don't play in the Premier League, you go and play. There's so many type of opportunities. American football, there's one professionally mm. <laughs> well, there's a couple more now like xfl and usfl but like there's one real professional league so like the level of athletes that come into it are top end and they are good but i do think they're like we've got excellent athletes on our team and i i think you get wow i've seen some amazing ones um are you like wow yeah when you see them like mm-hmm. what wows the coaches is, is it movement mm-hmm. speed power the things that sell any sport, like you look at the Olympics. Yeah. Everyone's looking at the 100 meter yeah. race. Like, like that's the most watched event. Balance. I've seen people like they land like cats. You know what I mean? They can mm. move instantly when they land from jumping or they, they can avoid and get their feet back on the ground without falling over. Like some people are such good athletes, they're never on the ground. Like they can accelerate in a heartbeat. And but, gen- genetics? Yeah. A lot of I'll, it. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as well, I think if you look at football, like I think there's guys that in the Premier League, I think there's mm-hmm. guys if they was born in America, they would play playing football American football, they'd be cornerbacks or they would be receivers or do you know like I look at that all the time because that's the job I've done before. So I, I look at people and I, I love looking at like their athleticism, their frame and and what they can do, you know, and um evaluate how their athletic traits can be transferable into other sports yeah so um but yeah the level of athletes and i'm not saying it's not high it's like it's extremely high but i do think nfl does a great job showcasing it and like a lot of 
metrics that you break down to evaluate players, a lot of them are built on athletic measurables to start with to give you the right pool of players to look at. Not every position, but a lot of positions are. And then you, you start watching the film of the players that fit those profiles. And obviously there's outliers, you know, there's obviously outliers within that, but kind of, you don't look for the outliers, you look for the majority of players and then the outliers normally come to you because they're so good. Do they profile players from an early age with the athleticism solely? Like if they, will they go and watch athletics at the universities and colleges and being... It's different like that, like, because, like, this is a cool thing I think that they do in American high school is like, it's all um, seasonal. So, like, normally you'll play football, then you do athletics, then you play basketball, you might play baseball. So you do all the sports. Do you see what I'm saying? And then as you're going through all the different sports, the colleges are watching you, and there, if you're a baseball coach, you'll watch them when they play baseball. If you're a football coach, you'll watch them when they play football. You know what they're doing in athletics and all those things, and you see like their highlights online and stuff like that. But then the different groups, like some kids will be recruited in multiple sports. And then they choose which one they want to go mm. for. Do you know? Like, rarely some guys play two sports in college. Some of the great football players have. And um, and then when you get into that level, you get picked again to play the sport you want to play. Or you get a choice, you know? Or you might not get a choice. You might get go straight to the pros in one sport. But it is, I think that ability to play multiple different sports and do different movements helps you develop as an athlete. Mm. You know, like I, I think we in this country, if you're good at something, you're playing it from the get-go and that is it. You know, like the other ones fall away. Exactly. How much would soccer have helped your, or football here, helped your footwork? Mm. If you was good? Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely, like, 100%. Like I've got four kids, my lad's 12, yeah. playing a bit of rugby, but we took him out of rugby for two years for him to do the other stuff. Yeah. Love soccer. He ain't going to be soccer. He's going to be tall and rangy, but it's important that he plays yeah. for the spatial awareness, not that he's going to become a rugby player or he's into NBA, he's in the junior NBA up in Scotland. But 100%. The level of athlete, it's hard for me to say that question. Now thinking about you asking me, like I do think there's good athletes in all sports. Mm -hmm. Like I think, how is there not a guy walking around these streets that he just never got the opportunity? The guy, the boxer, Anthony Joshua, he trains in Dallas. Mm -hmm. So one time I saw him, I saw him in the airport one time and I just thought to myself, like, if he was born in this country, he'd be playing football. There's no doubt. He wouldn't have never boxed. You know, mm -hmm. like, he might have, but he looks like a prototypical defensive end. A college would have come knocking and he would have gone there and that. You know, like, so I think the way athletes are showcased is, and I think the opportunities they have to develop in other sports does help them probably. You're right there. And I'm, I haven't really thought about it like that, but. Have you ever seen the Cirque du Soleil? before no. you want to talk about athletes really there, there was um i want to take my mum to see that because they do it in they do it in royal albert hall yeah but they they do these smaller ones up in edinburgh like the mm -hmm. fringe festival so this studio where we are on a table this size yeah. and they're doing these movements and i have never seen athleticism like it these people in the circuses and stuff like that and there's one online i can't remember his name where he does he's got dreadlocks black powerful shredded doing these things on the beach where he's running and doing somersaults. I'll, really? I'll send you it. I've never seen power 
like. enough athleticism like it in my life. And people talk about like different sports. My mate's a physio in the Cirque du Soleil, and he's like, really? "You've never seen power <laughs> and the output that these do in dangerous activities yeah. as well." Am I saying that Cirque du Soleil is more athletic than NFL? I might be. <laughs> yeah. say. I'll show you. I have to watch it to see. Yeah, exactly. But no, there, there, there's, there's so many different types of athletes in the NFL. Mm. Like we've got guys that are huge that can move. We've got guys that are really small that can move. That's that's why I love this sport. It really can um, capture people from all different walks of life, all different sizes of people, and it gives them an opportunity to be part of it. That's that's how I got into it. You yeah, know? that it was a sport that I could play, and I didn't necessarily when I started it think about being good at it i just really just wanted to play and compete you know like um when i say good i meant like elite at it. i just kind of was like i just want to go and play it looks so cool and then it, it oh, it, i mean it is one of the coolest if not the coolest sport yeah on the planet i watched the uh was it the halftime show where dr dre Eminem was it halftime or before show? It was halftime. Oh my goodness, mate! I watched it. I was at my mates cycling for his fortieth last week, <laughs> rock and roll, and we just put on loads of YouTube. And I said, he said, oh, "Was there anything good you seen?" I said, "Watch this," and we watched the NFL yeah. halftime show. Doctor Dre, Eminem, Fifty Cent. That was a couple of years ago. Was right? it a couple of years yeah, ago? Yeah, because so. who yeah. Did it was in this LA. year? Yeah, who did it this year? Re was it Rihanna? I, don't know. I can't remember, <laughs> but I did see that casual one. fan. You're a coach. You, yeah. yeah, you only see my, the, the good um, stuff. Yeah, one of my friends was coaching in that Rams game, so I watched the game and yeah, so cool. Um, some of the other stuff that you're doing as well that popped up, and again, yeah. I saw this before, but I just revisit it is around when you come back to London. Some of the initiatives you've done. Are so we doing something with Idris Elba that popped up? I don't know if that's an yeah. old thing. On no, it was last year. Oh, was it last year? Mm-hmm. How cool is Idris Elba, by the way? Oh, I know. You don't want to be James Bond. I'm like, you You could do it. <laughs> he could do anything he wants. I, I, he is one of the coolest men what? Yeah. on the planet. Uh-huh. Luther. Have you seen yeah, Luther? Love, that's my favourite show. I love that show. Being a Londoner yeah. as well. That is so dark. I like the one that came out on Netflix. The other one. I have not seen that And yet. you watch it, it's good. it's good. But I love the the show that was on the BBC. That was, yeah. I love that. Proper dark, eh? Is it a Ford Cortina car yeah. he's got? Yeah, he drives around. Yeah. yeah. Dark, eh? <laughs> So cool, but it was class that you've done. Are yeah. you doing so or like you've what, done a couple of initiatives? Maybe talk, talk a little bit about that. So cool. um, there's a there's one week in the NFL where you're allowed to, it's for the players, but it's for everyone now, uh, where you can you can wear cleat, like your boots that you put playing, you can wear them and then you can get them um, kind of painted to represent a charity that you want to represent. Anyone, any charity that you want to represent, you're allowed to represent it. And it's for everyone that is on the field. So um, for the last two years, I've picked charities in London that um, I would like to highlight a problem or highlight someone doing really good work. And um, so the first year it was about um, knife crime in for a charity in North London. It was about this, it was called the Godwin Lawson Foundation. It was about this kid that got stabbed in Tottenham and um it was the saddest story like i spot his mum runs the charity and the work she's doing like you just honor her because she's she's helping kids that could or potentially offend and her son went through all this and when she tells you the story it's just heartbreaking especially if you've got kids you know and uh, so i um 
we played Thursday night. We were playing New Orleans in I think it was twenty twenty one, and um, I wore his 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 foundation shoes for that and kind of done a piece about that. And then they then the NFL they take the shoes, they auction them off and raise money for the charity. And then um, this year I done Idris Elba's foundation and what his foundation does they kind of they're a clothing company that raise money and then disseminate to different charities to do work so i done that and um represented his and the charity that got help through it was the big kid foundation who do work in american football for kids in london and they do a great job and went down there and played some football with them and and hung out with them but that was really the guy that the shenenga that runs that program is it's cool what he does the kids have fun they turn out you think like he's running it three times a week on night they're the things that like that we don't talk about enough you know like it's like those people have changed you talk about like you know like how you said rugby kind of has changed your life and for me those people changed my life mm. those type of people that committed to something that didn't get paid they just done it because they loved it like them being there all the time like they like there was a guy called Jeff O'Driscoll. Like he was my coach in the the three teams that I went to, right? And it was only because he moved from team to team that I probably had another team to go to. As I would have just stopped playing. Do you know, like and to go out of his way and help you and do all those things. Those those things to me are so important that if I have a smallest platform, I don't even know if anyone's listening or not, but you should talk about those people because like we don't talk about them enough. They never get the funding they should. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? It's oh, hundred percent. Like, They're the heroes, aren't they? Exactly. For the next generation, especially mm. now. I'm not saying that life's tougher now, but in a way, it kind of is with our kids because of the social, cultural, yeah, pressures, uh, the social media, the fact that society is a lot softer now. There's less role models around. Schools aren't as good now for whatever reason, the funding isn't there for a number of different reasons. Mm. And J London, just as one example, I know there have been high-profile instances in Nottingham and up in Liverpool recently, but like specifically on London, like there's fucking big issues. Yeah. Big issues with, with, with knife crime and with violence and how impressionable, I suppose, youngsters are coming through and like these community centres youth clubs and stuff that I went to when I was younger, but also they're not, they're not, they're not. and sport. And you cannot ever underestimate like what sport can do for kids and not just sport, but being a part of something, being a part of a community. No doubt. And like everything, like everything costs. That's what I'm trying to, I try and be very like cognizant of those things cost money. Like, and it's easy when to put your kid in a club when you've got money to put your kid in a club. Mm. But, if you ain't, where where does the kid go and go out? And it's different. Like I could get kicked out on the street in summer holidays, six days a week, go out and on my bike and come back at seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. We'd be playing manhunt on the streets. You know, like yeah, it ain't like that no more. Yeah, no. you can't do no. that no more. I would never want my kids to do that. Giving those people the opportunity and and hopefully giving them some recognition, hopefully raising some type of money for them so they can keep doing it. That That's why it's important for me to do 
those things for London charities, like cause where I'm from, you know, or English charities. I want to always do that. So that that's what I've been doing the last two years. Yeah, mate, it's class. And having the power, I suppose, of someone like Idris yeah, exactly. in, in the background doing that. And I, I saw his video on it. Like, it, it means a lot to him. It, yeah, I think it does. Not it just definitely l- does. lip service. No. Yeah. Because he didn't have to do it. It's not going to help him, per mm. se. Do you know what I mean? I think him doing it meant a lot to me because he took his time. He didn't really know much about football, American football. And to go into something and then talk to people he didn't know and take time out of his day, it was it meant a lot to me too. Yeah, he was playing what's it called flag, flag football. football. It's yeah. really good. Like we've again, we're trying, we're copying the yeah. NFL. We're trying different things in rugby, but that flag football is actually a thing, right? Because yeah. American football, so I'm talking to you like you don't know, <laughs> like it's so technical. Like that sport works because it's one. If you're playing contact, it's one contact, yeah. and then it resets. Whereas in the flag, there you can obviously take the flag and then mm-hmm. you can regroup and then start again. Whereas in rugby. I was saying to the producer when we were talking about it about the the flag American football because rugby's so fluid, like it's it doesn't stop. It doesn't. It keeps stop. going, so that's why it's quite difficult to do that. But NFL, yeah, it I didn't really think works. Today. Yeah. yeah, but that's the thing. Like as in rugby, you get tackled, you carry on. There's a breakdown. You move yeah. the ball away. There's another collision, another contact. How do you put it back on? Well, that's the whole thing. Adam, that's it. You've got to stop. Put your tag back on. It frustrates oh, really? me. To, yeah, oh. as in with the kids and stuff like that because. When I I didn't I take my I feel bad now because people listening who take the kids to tag rugby when yeah. they're young, we were encouraging and I could pick this up in New Zealand watching yeah. how they coached the All Blacks when they were the best team in the world. But they've got again great athletes coming through the number one sport, the arse end of nowhere, albeit a beautiful arsehole. New Zealand's amazing, <laughs> but I watched how they coached their kids mm-hmm. and you watched New Zealand play. They were trailblazers. Like everything was momentum. Everything was forward, yeah. moving forward, whereas we're coaching kids that when the tag belt is taken to stop and come back, stop, come back, stop, come back. Those little things mean things. Exactly. So not that, I'm, again, I want my kids to be professional rugby players, but I just, because I played the game, I found it frustrating where it's like, don't stop, keep going. Yeah. You know, keep going, like forward. The game is played forward. Yeah. Keep going, whereas reverse engineering it and you're teaching them to do something which again i must have been taught because i could never go forward i was <laughs> unpowerful too gangly and just stopped when i got to contact but yeah anyway that was a that was a bugbear yeah so, um, but flag foot was a pretty cool sport yeah it is yeah. um what are the expectations on this season so it starts start start september september 1st or 2nd yeah. of september yeah and what's the expectations of the Dallas Cowboys? Fucking love saying that. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. Is it like? Is it from yeah. the start they say, right, we want to win? Yeah. It's basically your expectations are really the now. Like, I think you have to win in the now in the NFL because, like, there's so many uncontrollables that you can say, oh, your expectations are to win everything. But, like, you got to stay healthy. You got to have everyone on the right page. You got to... So, like... Week by week, you've got to take that game as like, you can't put value on teams. You can't, because you can just get beaten at any given mm. moment. Like, it's like any professional sport, but I'm telling you, the parry in that league is ridiculous. Like, like there's so many teams, so many games are coming down to the last few minutes. And I think, like, your expectations are that you've got to win, but you've got to keep it on a weekly basis of controlling the now, staying in the moment, and 
and and going through those things because I think if you get ahead of yourself, you're gonna you're gonna you trip up. You know, you got to go through things the right way, go through the process on it. And there are things that some people I think don't want to hear because you want the big oh I want to win everything. You know, but like I think you have to think like that, especially as a coach. Mm. I'm just thinking about like like last night I I flew in from San Francisco yesterday and I woke up at like twelve o'clock with I fell asleep at like nine. I woke up at like twelve o'clock with jet lag. And I laid there for like five, four or five hours just thinking about what I need. To, I felt like I haven't looked at any tape for like four days. I'm on my vacation. Like <laughs> I need to start looking at tape. I feel like I've got to get ready. I've got, to, and I'm ready. Like I've done all my work, but I just want to go and get more prepared. Mm. Do you know, like I love being prepared, going into a meeting prepared so I can talk through it, understanding the techniques and, and showing film just relative to the players in the room and, and getting everyone ready to play and understand what how we have to approach every day. Those those things I like to think about, knowing that, okay, I know week one we got New York Giants. So like when the process starts for all those things, I'm trying to map out like my next really like 40, 50 days through training camp and what I need to prepare. And that's how I think about it. Do you know, like that, because I know that's my role. Well, you can be excused because you are operating in the highest sports performance <laughs> league or one of the highest in the world. So yeah. you could be excused to be thinking like that. Yeah, so it does make like sense. That's like I really just, my expectation for myself is if I'm really good at what I do, then the guys around me will be really good at what they do. Mm. And if that works, we'll be really good defensive line and we can affect the game and, 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 um, help the defense be what they need to be. And then the defense helps the team what it needs to be. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, I don't, like to get ahead of myself and think that's not my job <laughs> you mm. know like my job is my job and i have to that what's always worked for me is to be try and be really good at it. yeah well the preparation is everything yeah isn't it and when i was younger playing not, not lip service to it but winging it or just going with emotion and gut feel was the way but like now in this world that i'm in like you, people know if you're fucking winging it i think yeah. it's like I think there's a place though for your talent mm. and your feel. Like there's guys that have ridiculous feel for sport, whatever that sport is, you know, like I'm talking from my, like there's guys that I coach and they have like a rare instinct for the game mm. that can look at times a little bit unconventional because the way they play, you know, or, or the way they move before the ball's about to go because they can feel it or they, and then, if they're right 80 or 90% of the time, you don't want to take that away from them for the 10% they're wrong. Mm. You just don't, they just can't be wrong in the time when they really have to be right. Mm. You know, and it's a very fine line, like everything. But um, I think about those guys a lot. How do, because the position I coach, there is a lot of feel to it. Mm. Like some of the, the best pass rushers in the NFL or the best run defenders, they're technically sound, but there's a part of it where they, it's them, you know, and you don't want to take that out of them. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, I was going to sound like a right dickhead then because I was a field player. <laughs> I was. I Genuinely, yeah. I, my role was to put players in position, take me out of the positions because I didn't have a huge amount of power. Mm -hmm. But my biggest strength, my coach said to me, I won't tell you what coach because he would say, that, he would deny that he said <laughs> it, was being able to see the game from a wider perspective. Yeah. like I was like, if I had the power and the speed, and the strength and the ball handling skills, I would have been one of the best players in the world, but I didn't have any of them. 
but I could see it. But you could see it. I could see it. But that's a big skill. Exactly. Underestimated. So talking to you about it is is great. People are going to think like, fuck, what are you talking about? <laughs> One of the last thing I wanted to chat yeah. about was, I know you're heavy on the programs of players coming th- from across mm-hmm. the world to play. We've kind of touched on it a little yeah. bit. NFL Europe. Uh, we spoke about Wadey. Yeah. I had a mate, Hayden Smith, as well. I was at Saracens with. Yeah. He played, he played further. Jets, than, uh, yeah, that yeah. was right. Played at the Jets. Athlete. Yeah. So played basketball. Was amazing athlete at rugby as well. And I mean, to yeah. play in the NFL it was is just showcases it. But there's a load of really good programs out there. Mm-hmm. No, Luff- Loughborough University. That's the NFL Academy. Yeah, the NFL Academy. That's the youngest um, program for like, it's like a high school or a secondary school for um, kids that can go to school and play football. Mm. Because people listen to this, it's kind of two questions. Is One, like how do they get into it? But also why? Why would the NFL go out of a country like America where you've got the very best athletes there anyway? Is it to help grow the sport here or do they see value in different I athletes? Think really? I think like you're always looking for the best athlete who can potentially become one of the best players. And then I think if... I've always thought to myself, when I... When we were working in the NFL, me and Aussie, it it was like, how hard is it for a kid in the UK to resonate by watching the best one of the best NFL players? Because their their path to get to where they want is completely different. Mm. So I think the, these programs like the Academy and IPP they create pathways and opportunities for people that aren't necessarily there. You know, um, and that's changing because of the internet. Do you know, like when I was there, there was no internet, so like it, the opportunities weren't there. But I think now, like every opportunity to showcase yourself. So now, like someone like F.A. Bado plays for the um, Washington Commanders, like a kid from London sees him, I believe, and they're like, "There is possible for me to do this." What's his story? So F.A. played played in London for the London Warriors mm. for one season. Ended up signing for the Dallas Cowboys, went on their practice squad for a year, then ended up on Carolina's practice squad for a year, then played for the Panthers for, I don't know, a few years, three three years, then played for the Bills, then played, now he's playing for the Commanders. But he went from playing in Britain to playing in the NFL, mm. amateur sport. and um, And to see that, I think and under and have the ability. What the NFL do is they give these kids access to him, so he can understand his story, his work ethic. Is like he's one of the most resilient people I've ever met. You know, like Jordan, the guy that plays for Philly. He came from Australian rugby, I think rugby league, mm. and um, was like on like a B or low level team in the rugby league, and went through this program. End up getting drafted by the Eagles. Played four years. Second contract was like something like sixty-four million for for a certain amount of years, forty million guaranteed, and he's only like twenty-six or twenty-seven now. Do you know what I'm saying? It's nuts. Like, but to see, like, that's why I think it's important because I always think there's only a really select few people that can do something that they've never seen done before. Like, if there's no path, they can carve it themselves. Do you know, like when but the they're like the trailblazers those people when they do that like they do it and then others suddenly say okay i can do this and then it inspires other people and i think that's why i think there's obviously there's marketing there's but for what i care about 
is that it gives opportunity to kids outside the US to play football. You know, like, and I think that's huge. And those programs are great for that. Mate, that's class. Mm. Love chatting to you yeah. about everything here. But lastly, before we go, it's a bit of a kind of throwaway question, but I, I think I can ask this now because you've gone into a lot of detail about it. But American football mm -hmm. as a sport, like, what has that given you? Just like rugby's given you, it's given me. I, I don't think it's defined me as a man, but it's, it's given me so much. Mm. Like my family have given my wife, my kids, they given me so much too, and that and the sport have given me where I am today. Like I would never have all the opportunities I have and seen the things I've got to see in life and do the things I've got because of that. It's like it, it's given me opportunity, really. I'd say that, like, and um. And a life experience I would have never thought was possible. Existed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, mm. like, um, but I love it. Like, I, I'm extremely passionate about the sport and I hope I give it the respect that, that the level that it's given me into my life. That's what I try and think about. Like, and um, but always be grateful for that because I think if I don't, then I'll stop doing some of the things that make me special at what I am, you know? So, like I try and always have that, like the gratitude for what opportunities I've had. I try and think about that a lot, yeah. and, and because um, it's hard to put into words, you know. Like if I ask you the same question, it's like because you start thinking about different situations and times in your life, and it's just mm. it's amazing, you know. Like, and it's still growing, and like I'm lucky to still be part of it, and uh, I'm grateful, and I'm just um, I'm smiling because it's making me think about how lucky i am yeah so well, i think you've done a good job in explaining it today <laughs> I, I really do it's class and i was a buffaloes fan a little bit just because i thought they were more in new york but i found out they're not no, they're way no. out of like no. the parts of new york are like so I'm, a million percent 100%. dallas cowboys there you go. and so fucking cool loved no. it thank you thanks so much i really appreciate your time today